What's up, everyone? This is episode number 62 of the Wax Museum podcast, where I talk about all things basketball cards from past to present to future. This is your host, Kyle. As always, you guys can find me throughout the week on social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. Also, this show is a member of the Bench Clear Media Network. I encourage you to give the network a follow, whether you're into market analysis or pack openings or the Last Dance documentary. There's a variety of different things there for you to check out. Speaking of content, uh, lately I've heard several people, well, really in the last week, talking about the rise in hobby content. And I know the House of Jordans talked a little about it on their last podcast. I'm going to give some of my take and I'll be taking a look at a model that's become popular in a little bit. But before I go there, I want to give a shout out to some of the content that I enjoyed this past week. I know I don't always do this, uh, but I do want to carve out the time this week to do that. Just because I don't name a show here, that doesn't mean that it's, it's not good. Um, you know, I don't know about every show and I don't listen to every show that's out there either. You know, there are only so many hours in a day. Um, but I do want to start off and say that um, Josh at Cardboard Chronicles interviewed Peter um, on his show this week, who's the director of operations at SGC. I really enjoyed hearing from Peter and hearing more about that company. You know, I, we've heard some about them in the past, but we really haven't seen um, a face to go with them necessarily. And then also, here's a preview for a future episode of Wax Museum. I've never graded before. And um, actually, a couple weeks ago, I sent in my first ever submission to SGC, and I'll explain why I chose them um, at a later date. But I tried to send in cards for all sorts of reasons to try and gain some different hobby perspectives, some to authenticate, some to increase the value, some were because I wanted to sell them. So that should be a fun one. Uh, Be on the watch for that. But Josh's episode is already out. And he talked with somebody from SGC, so I encourage you to check that out. Like I said, I really enjoyed that. Another show I enjoyed on YouTube this week came from Jake Roy on his channel, 90s B-Ball Cards. You might remember him from an episode that we did in December. Uh, Well, this time he opened some 1997-98, which is fitting with all the uh, bull stuff right now, Collector's Choice. And I feel like I opened a lot of that as a kid, but he had a a variation pack that I was unaware of. And all of that is to say, after watching that episode, I'm going to look a little different at Collector's Choice Packs in the future. I think you should go check that one out. He'll probably have another episode up by the time this one airs. So, you know, I always encourage you to check his content out. Um, I mentioned House of Jordans already, but in addition to... Um, content. They also talked about um, hobby photography, which I would like to get better at, uh, the different grading companies and preferences, and the recent rush to Donruss. There was a pretty shocking fact about case prices for Donruss that I wasn't aware of. I want to share that fact with you, but it's their content, and I'm not going to spoil it, so you need to go listen for yourself. Another show I enjoyed this week came from Adam, uh, or The Real 27 Guy who has been a guest on this show several times before. He's got a show called The Basketball Card Podcast. I learned a lot about consignment this week. I have a nice shiny card that I want to sell, but I don't want to deal with the hassle of selling it on eBay myself. 
and you know kind of scared of, of returns and, and what might happen he went through um, the the big three options of ComC, PWCC and Probstein and their pricing structures and how they do business I still don't know if I want to use any of those three but I learned a lot about each one of them and why people would send to them and either way it's going to help me be more informed when I go to make that choice uh, as I mentioned earlier, I don't have time to go through every show I listen to, but I encourage you to take the time to find content that you like. Um, another one out there, Pack to the Future podcast is very good. I've been catching up on Cardboard and Illuminati. I've learned a lot about football cards. That's not their sole focus, but I, I would say that's what I've learned the most from them because I don't have a lot of exposure to football cards. Uh, don't listen to that one with your kids around, though. There's a lot of talk about... Um, fluids and biscuits but like I said before I've learned a lot uh, about football cards that is okay well uh, before I continue chatting about content let's talk real quick about fanatics you might know this brand from buying their exclusive optic sets or some of your favorite team's merchandise now you can help support the wax museum podcast every time you shop there for fan gear or collectibles if you'd like to help the show in this way you can go to benchclear.us slash fanatics just shop as planned get a nice discount and the binge clear media network gets a small commission as well it is a win-win all right uh speaking of affiliate links it's time to segue into my main topic for today investment content cycles and some of you saw a preview of this on the blowout forums already but i think it's worth visiting here as well even if you did read that, I'm going to add a lot more and I'm going to go into more detail. Let me preface all of this by saying that I know there's a big demand for this content right now. And I am not blaming people for seeking it out. I am not blaming people for creating it. Um, additionally, I understand that people have a right to charge for a service they provide and people will pay for it if they find it useful. Um, there is a lot of new investor content popping up out there right now, which tells me that the demand is going up as well. Obviously, people are consuming it. I've touched on some of this content before, but I haven't talked a lot about some of the methods behind it or the ripples that come after that content is created. So that's what I really want to focus on today, because whether you support it or not, I think there's value in understanding how the model works. That way you can make decisions on your own. You know, if, if, if you listen to this and you decide, wow, I really like that model, um, I'm going to double down and listen to them more. That's great. If you listen to it and you're like, nah, I don't like this, I'm out, you know, you make your own decisions. Um, so that's really what I want to um, touch on today. Now. Um, I would say the main hub of this content can be found on YouTube. I know a lot of those are transferred to podcast form, but a lot of them originate on YouTube and there are a lot of big fluent influences on there. And I know, uh, I think PSA collector is one that a lot of people are listening to there. There are a number of options today. I'm going to examine for this first case here, sports card investor, because he seems to provide the most popular investor content on YouTube. It's one that you've likely seen. Um, the content's very professional looking. He's very well spoken. Um, he's never been rude that I've seen. You know, he, he treat he seems to treat people well on the face of things. Um, and he works very hard to provide consistent content that people are asking for. 
now, I have noticed though that this content runs in a bit of a cycle and there are probably some other models out there that do as well. In the scenario that I'm going to outline in just a moment, there's technically not anything illegal. And I'm not even suggesting that anything should change, but I think it's important for people to see how a part of this machine works. And I feel like it can be broken down into seven steps. So what are they? Let's jump right in. Number one, create quality looking content that funnels people toward a paid membership structure. I believe one of the membership tiers includes a market movers tool that in this case, this content creator has created. I figured you've seen him talk about it a lot on some of the other shows before. A lot of people like this tool and find it to be useful. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay for it, right? So even if you don't have it and you want to get a look at it, um, he shows the tool quite a bit in his weekly videos. So just keep that in mind. So that's step one, create content, quality looking content that funnels people towards a paid membership structure. Step number two, talk about a card or group of cards and present that information exclusively to a paid group. So towards the end of last week, the higher tier members uh, were given a suggestion that included Tiger Woods cards with a focus on PSA 10 copies of his 2001 upper deck card. I'll touch on this a little more later, uh, but it's my understanding that the different membership tiers get different pieces of advice. So step two then is simply to give a piece of advice to the people that are paying you. Step number three though is a critical component and that is to include eBay affiliate links of the suggested cards in that same article or email or however you're transmitting that information. Now, when I first posted this basic outline to blow out, the pick of the week articles were not disclosing that these links were affiliate links. So in other words, there were a lot of eBay links on there, but they didn't tell you that they were affiliate links. Well, you know, a lot of people will feel, and some people would argue that legally, that's something you're supposed to do. So that's why, like earlier, when I do my product reads for Fanatic, I let you know that I'm benefiting from that. When you shop there, um, the network that I'm on gets a, per, a small percentage of that. I feel like that's the right thing to do. Now, since I posted about all of this cycle on blowout, Sports Card Investor has added that info to their postings, to their articles, so um, kudos to them for that. Um, someone on blowout, though, asked me, well, you know, what is an affiliate link and, and how does it work? So I'm going to go over that information real quick before I move on to step number four eBay's affiliate program goes by the name of the eBay Partner Network, or simply EPN. And this network pays a commission rate of 1-6% to for all purchases made as part of the program. And that's actually pretty low for an affiliate program, but in cases like this, all of those small purchases can add up quickly. But how do they know that you've made a purchase? Well, each time you click on an affiliate link, be it in the article or an app or a tool that someone's created, the EPN creates basically a, a tracking cookie or a browser cookie. And I'll quote Wikipedia here. For those of you who don't know, a, a cookie is a small piece of data sent from a website and stored on the user's computer by the user's web browser while the user is browsing. 
For those of you that are a little paranoid after hearing this, uh, my opinion, and it's just my opinion, is that the cookie itself is not something to be worried about. They're not putting malware on your computer. If that worries you, there are a lot worse tracking activities that are happening on your phone and your computers uh, as we speak. So um, anyway, though, this cookie lasts for 24 hours. And I'm taking this next piece from eBay's affiliate website, but in order for someone to earn commission from the item, quote, for buy it now transactions, the purchase must be made less than 24 hours after the click. For auction transactions, the winning bid must have been placed within 24 hours of the click on your link. And then they continue saying, that means you can get credit for an auction that ends more than 24 hours after the click, as long as the winning bid was placed within 24 hours of the click on your link. Okay, right now I've only mentioned that the affiliate link is in that weekly email or article or whatever way a creator chooses to disperse this. That was step three. Moving on to step four. Um, Now that the new advice or investment pick is out and word gets around, um, you know, the card shoots up in value. That's part of the process here. So while this particular Tiger Woods card that was uh, one of them that was focused on was already climbing up, um, it spiked to $250 overnight on this recommendation. And who would have known, you know, who knows if it would have gotten to that point. It might have, but whether it should actually get there or not, it did and faster than it would have, showing that this person has used this platform to... Um, speak value into existence. That's not to say that's what they're trying to do, but we can't deny that that's what happened. And with this model and this kind of influence, as long as the picks are reasonable, they're likely all going to see growth, even if it's just for a short time. Now, the key word there is reasonable. This model has evolved a little bit over time. Before the season, uh, I was watching this channel, there was a list of 10 basketball picks, and it was brutal. The one that cracks me up to this day is on my own team, the Pacers, Miles Turner. Uh, I think Mitchell Robinson was another pick on there. But if you look at Turner, prices have been too high for a long time. He's a big man. He's a Pacer. Robinson, you know, he's in a horrible situation too. The models change though. It's a lot more effective to just say, hey, Tiger Woods card should go up. You know, there's a charity tournament coming up. A lot of people will be watching. He's accomplished a lot. You know, it's easier to move with that narrative. So I guess at this point, with the revamped model of giving advice, a good question might be, once you become so powerful, is there such thing as a bad pick? Because people are going to see the data and the results, and that is validation enough for them. And that moves us into step five, because you've got to have somewhere to track the data. We want a record of the numbers and no other context whatsoever. We don't want to know about eBay bucks promos and if they spent 10% more knowing they would get that, or gift cards, or anything else that could influence that data. Step five. Step five is to track these data samples in an exclusive tool for members. Uh, But you cannot forget to include the affiliate links as part of the data sample. So if you're looking up Lucas Silvers on the tool and you want to buy some, there's a convenient link there that will take you right to them. 
Now, I'm sure people appreciate this as it saves them some steps. Um, it makes him a little bit of money, so a lot of people would say this is a win-win. But it would have been nice to have known that that was happening from the start. Okay. Um, step number six then, I referred to this already, but use this increase in value as validation for all future predictions because, oh, look at my past predictions. Those cards have been growing. Now these current ones are likely to cause a spike as well, and people know that. And then they want that content. Step number seven, then rinse and repeat weekly. Um, I know when I posted this model and asked for feedback on it, a lot of people were really concerned and some even convinced that the people making predictions on players or cards are pumping up the guys that they, for lack of a better term, own stock in. And I know I've joked on various platforms about Lonzo Ball stuff before because we know sports card investor really likes Lonzo Ball. I don't think he's pumping Lonzo Ball stuff. I mean, I just don't think that's what's happening. I think he probably really likes the guy, right? Um, because in this scenario, he doesn't have to pump Lonzo Ball cards. He's going to make a lot more money from the tool he's created and the affiliate links, even if it's 1%. So much so, it's not worth compromising his integrity by promoting cards that he owns. So I want to make that very clear. I don't think he's telling you to buy all the stuff he owns. The real money is in the affiliate links and the membership fees. So when I say the real money, how much money is made from memberships? Well, the, the short answer is I can't give you exact numbers. I don't have access to them. The only public numbers I know of are the different tiers of Facebook groups. And I feel like those numbers are low, but I'll use them for this example anyway. So as of last week, the Market Movers Members Only Tool group had 324 members. So if those members are paying the advertised $500 per year, that's $162,000 just from that group of 324 people. But there's also a second group, which is a lower tier, the Investor Members Only group, which has almost double the members at 612. And if they pay the advertised $100 per year, that's another $61,200. And trust me, I know there are costs that go into content creation. Um, mine's a little bit more lower tier, so it's, you know, I don't have the production value, so mine's a little bit cheaper to make, quite a bit cheaper to make, I imagine. Um, I know he has some full-time employees, but those two groups alone total out to roughly $223,000 plus whatever affiliate pay he ends up with. There's a little under a thousand people combining those two groups. So let's say 50 of those members or about 5% of them buy um, a $100 card through those affiliate links every week. That's $50 a week uh, times 52 weeks in a year. So that's another $2,600. Imagine if someone buys, I don't know, like a Trey RPA or a Luca RPA through one of those links. And I know that's not likely, but you know it is investment content. Maybe those people are buying through those links. If you were to buy a, let's say a $50,000 card, even at 1%, that's still 500 bucks. And once again, there's nothing wrong with affiliate links. I'm just explaining how they work. 
In fact, if you really like Sports Card Investor's channel and you want to support them, go out of your way to shop through those links. Um, because that's one way that you can do that. And that's one way that he has set up for that um, to take place, whether you realize it and whether you made that public or not. Now, with all of that being said, I want to take a look at the immediate aftermath of something like this because it doesn't stop with the person that creates it. And this is not to even say that a content creator can control what happens afterward, but here's a look into what can happen and here's how people run with this. I'm sure I don't see every ripple myself, but I'll try to give examples of what I've seen recently. So let's continue with the example of the Tiger Woods card. As I mentioned earlier, that card in a PSA 10, or maybe I didn't mention it, that card in a PSA 10 was selling for roughly $80 to $100 before all this happened. It was rising some. There were some examples in the 125 to 150 range. So it was rising, but it wasn't moving at record speed. That card then becomes a uh, pick of the week as part of the cycle I outlined earlier. And all of a sudden, we have multiple examples of this thing selling for over $200, sometimes closer to $250, less than 24 hours later. So it, it pretty much doubled. So then somewhere around the end of that 24-hour time period, another popular market-related account called Slab Stocks posts a fancy graphic of the Tiger card as one of their hot listings. And they're not just in the chart business either. There's a write-up that goes with it. They said, wow, the 2001 Upper Deck Tiger Woods rookie PSA 10 has been on an absolute rocket ship over this past week. And then there's a rocket ship emoji. <laughs> Let me stop there. I'm going to counter that with a stop sign emoji here. Um, if by past week you mean 24 hours, then sure. Uh, but they continue. In April alone, this car jumped nearly 250% at is, as it is now selling for over $200. There have been 35 auction sales in April and a slew of buy it nows. The trend you're seeing is comprised of all auction sales and then yesterday's value is the 255 auction averaged with the buy it now sales of the day. And they end with a thumbs up emoji. Um, they then go on to compare it to the Luca population. I'm not going to touch on that other than, um, you know, that looks like that's a, a popular standard for card comparisons now, um, which, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum. So I get it. Um, but speaking of which, nothing happens in a vacuum. I feel like this should all be explained. Um, I went digging a little bit and, and they mentioned on a YouTube video, Slap Stocks, they mentioned on a YouTube video that they heard it was being bought up by some groups, but that was really the extent of that explanation. They might know the driving point, they might not, and that's okay. Remember, I'm just explaining the ripples and how these earlier predictions ripple out. Um, but the chart itself simply represents data and doesn't tell the full story. The data itself is not wrong. I went through some eBay sales from the past month and the line on their chart looked right to me. Um, I also think, though, that people would benefit from knowing why this card was on a rocket ship in the last 24 hours. And that's separate from the gradual climb it might have already been on. Whether they give this information or not... They have 14,000 followers on their Instagram. I'm sure there's a pretty big YouTube presence as well. Um, so that you know could potentially be at least those 14,000 people 
that are exposed to new, strictly numerical data that represents a card's accelerated growth. And then as each ripple moves out, it looks like more information is left behind. Not long after the prediction was made, and then the chart was posted, so these were two different accounts, then another podcast popped up on my listening feed, and this was from a a different content creator. Uh, I feel pretty confident that this person means well. And they had an entire segment on this Tiger Woods card, and it revolved around why did this card go up so much in price. And the segment was about 10 minutes. It touched on Tiger's success. It touched on this person mentioning Tiger a little in the past and how they thought it would go up. Um, I think it touched a little on the tournament that he'll be in soon with Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. It did not, however, touch on this card being the sports card investor's pick of the week which was undoubtedly the reason why it shot up. Remember, we already saw growth, but the card didn't really shoot up until that point. Now, maybe this person, um, they were perusing social media content and hobby content looking for hot topics of the day. Maybe they were doing that and only saw the chart and and they're just responding to that. Um, So even though the creator of this segment had good intentions, this kind of fallout activity sort of um, perpetuates the misinformation and the ripples that accompany this card's sudden growth or the appearance of growth. Well, anyway, that all went down last week. People should be getting those Tiger purchases in the mail soon, um, right around the time the next picks come out. And out of curiosity, I took another look at Tiger PSA 10s to see if they had stabilized any over the weekend. Um, As of Monday morning, it looks like they found themselves in the $180 to $210 range, which they might have gone up or down since then But um, by the time you listen to this. But either way, that's a tough pill to swallow if you were one of those guys that bought that at $255. Um, But if buyers are upset, they should blame themselves for getting worked. And that goes to show a lot of these people that pride themselves on being called influencers, um, which that seems to be a real popular word now, well, they do have quite a bit of influence. And whether they realize it or not, they kind of feed into one another's content. Let me give you one more example. And it follows the same steps, so I'll skip those, but it had a a little bit uh, different looking ripples that are worth pointing out. So there was another pick made last week that was given to a lower tier membership group. So a lower paying group got this tip. Um, you know, seeing as there's a demand for this content, it's nice to see that the lower paying people are not left out and there are some investment options out there that everyone can afford if that's really what they're into and if that's how they enjoy the hobby. Um, but anyway, this pick, I'm not going to give the player away outright. I will just say he is a second year player that typically in the NBA that typically has a bench role. He's on championship contender. He averages about 10 points and five rebounds. So all of that is to say he's not doing anything amazing, but he is contributing. Um, He's not really a secret either though. So this pick was made and I do look at the um, sports card investor discord from time to time because I've been invited there by several listeners um, and there were posts made there immediately after this message went out to the paid members. You you don't have to be a subscriber to figure out what was happening. Um, And some of the conversation looked like this. One person said, well, 
It's one hour after looking at the card pick and everything is up 100%. There are too many members, to be honest. Now, once again, uh, that's not the creator's fault. Um, Another person chimed in, if you are quick to pull the trigger on things, there is definitely guaranteed profit. And then several people posted pictures of cards they had just purchased of that player as well as the prices. So a lot of this is happening in real time and, and people are showing off um, their quick purchases after these picks were made. Um, One poster even posted there several times because he wasn't getting a lot of feedback. The final version was simply a picture of this player's card and two words, need help. So people definitely want guidance. And uh, there are plenty of ripples that go along with this lower tier stuff too. I won't go into as much detail, but not long after I opened up Facebook, And this is just on one of the trading groups in general. There's a post there, and somebody's selling a big lot of this particular player's cards. It's like they had been just waiting for somebody to, please, somebody make some noise about this guy so I can unload these cards. So they had a big group of these cards, and it just said, he's a hot investment right now. So they're kind of using that to move something that They feel like they need to move or they want to move. Um, And the ripples just go on and on from there. So as I close this thing out today, I want to leave you with some final remarks. I I talked about the cycle itself and I talked about the ripples that it produces. I posted this cycle up for discussion on the blowout forums and one of the first responses chimed in, well, I thought all of this was apparent. Well, I, I think for some people it might be. However, you have to remember that everyone views things from their own perspective or what they have access to. I talked to some of my good friends that have been in the hobby for a while and they didn't even know about affiliate links or they had uh, never seen this cycle outlined in simple steps. You know, I've never felt like it was super obvious. In fact, I had to consume quite a bit of content to really wrap my head around it. But um, as I outlined earlier, then also several other content creators that regularly analyze the market were left trying to come up with their own explanations. And then in turn, because it wasn't so obvious to them, and they're very immersed in this, they unknowingly fed into the accelerated growth. It's clear, though, that some people do have this figured out. Um, Just like someone else in the chat said, if if you jump on these ripples early and don't get stuck holding the hot potato, you can do well. There's still money to be made. Uh, And a lot of people are just riding waves. And, you know, I suppose there's nothing wrong with that. Um, One of the responses on Blowout said that he watches sports card investor content and slab stocks to see what the invest folks will be buying up in the short term. And if there's a play for them to sell into the short term pop, it's not a bad way to fund his hobby. So it's something to consider. I talked about riding the wave some when it came to Bulls cards. I had no intentions of contributing to the Scotty Pippen metal hype or the metal excitement. But when I saw those cards posted all over my social media and go up in value, you better believe I was getting rid of some of mine so I could buy cards that were more meaningful to me. That's exactly what I did. Someone else chimed in on the blowout forums. 
there is a strong demand for quality content on YouTube discussing hobby trends and market analysis. I think it could be done without integrating landing pages or sales funnels, but if people are paying for it, more power to the content creator. I thought that was a good response and something to consider as well. So I guess my call to action for you today is really to examine the content you're consuming and be mindful of the information that you're passing along. Try to understand what you're buying into. Try to understand what you're contributing to. I've said it many times before, nothing happens in a vacuum. That doesn't mean that everyone that talks about cards is purposely manipulating anything. I know there are times where I've probably been quick to uh, jump to those conclusions and, and I had to kind of scale things back. But it also doesn't mean that everyone that's making investment content is manipulating thing, things in their favor. Um, so if there is anything to take away from today's episode, I hope you understand one thing. When someone says, join me on my journey to profit from the hobby we all love, their journey and your journey will probably look nothing alike. And that's all I have for you guys this week. Feel free to drop by my social media. My Instagram is at Wax Museum Podcast. My Twitter is at Wax Museum PC. In the meantime, if you like the content I'm providing, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Hit up the Podbean site for a link to the merch store. Tag Taco Bell and let them know they can pay me in burritos. And until next time, this is the Wax Museum Podcast.